Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music, and I'm Tosh Berman. And I'm Kimli Moretzo. Welcome to Book Music, a show where each episode we focus on a music book of some sort. It could be a book, a book written by a musician, or it could be a book on a musician. It could be a book on top of a musician. It could be a book somehow music-related. And today we're going to focus on one of the great 33 and a third series of music books. And this one we're going to focus on a book called Let's Talk About Love, A Journey to the End of Taste by Carl Wilson. And first thing I have to tell you, one of the first things, you know, I try to, I try to write a book for, their, for this series. I want to do... Sparks come out of my house. Yeah, it's hard to believe they don't have a Sparks book yet. It, it is. It's really hard to believe. But even harder to believe, I tried twice and I failed twice. Keep trying. Well, what happened was, you know, I thought, oh gosh, I lost out again on this. You know, because they have like an open call. Yeah. It's kind of cool system here where they have an open call for yeah. asking people to um, to participate or write a book about their favorite album or an album they're interested in. That's what the whole series is about. So I want to do Sparks Come Out of My House. And I was, you know, I, I wasn't like suicidal, but I was slightly, slightly <laughs> disappointed that I didn't get picked. And I, and I looked, and I said, well, who do they pick? You, know, you want to know what albums they picked. And I looked at this, and I saw Carl Wilson. And I thought, oh, my God, they chose a solo Beach Boy record that nobody heard or know of by Carl Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I was so disappointed. It took me a while, well, like 10 minutes, to realize that there's a Carl Wilson writer who writes about music from Canada who wrote this book, Let's Talk About Love. A book <laughs> on, and, who, and, and who's the artist this book is about or regarding? One of our favorites, <laughs> I and the, say very ironically. And, and that's, who is that? Celine Dion. So I... <laughs> Not only did I got, at that point, I got beaten up by Carl Wilson's solo Beach Boy, who's very talented, nothing against Carl, but you know, mm-hmm. but also by Celine Dion. Yeah, that must have been a crushing blow. It was. <laughs> I'm glad you've recovered. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> here we are. So this book is very unusual compared to the other three, three in the third books. Usually it's like a writer, one writer writing about their favorite album, usually, or favorite artist, or um, their favorite artist and their particular album, and they're writing about that specific album for whatever reasons, usually because they really admire and like it. But here, this writer, Carl Wilson, focused on Celine's Let's Talk About Love, which is an album, correct? Yeah. And and his take on her, he, he, he doesn't like the album. He hates her. He, <laughs> he doesn't hide that fact in the beginning. And so this is, I thought, well, this is, a, this is really interesting. This is like a book about hating something. And I thought, okay, I like this. I was really intrigued yeah. when, I, when I found out that's what the book is about. Because, you know, after a while, you talk about people's favorite records, albums, like, you know, blah, 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 you know. But here, this writer, Carl Wilson, not the Beach Boy, but Carl Wilson, mm-hmm. the writer, focuses on... Celine Dion's, one of her big hits, right? Her, like, huge, best-selling album. And he focuses on why he doesn't like her. 
why he hates her. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really interesting approach. Absolutely. And so, in a way, he has to force himself as a journalist writer to figure out why he hates her and the album. And um, I think all of us have an artist that we hate for various reasons. Um, you don't? Oh, lots. And I'm with this guy on Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a strong feelings about her. I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I guess I don't, hate strong. I but, she's but I know, not part of my world. But this is what's interesting is one thing I do notice, there's, there's certain key people that like the rock and roll poplar you know the, the 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 rock and roll fan there's always a person they do not like yeah and Celine Dion is probably one of the key people that's not exactly loved in the rock and roll community I the think world. she probably has just as much haters as she does people who love her you know she's a very divisive figure I think for a lot of music lovers absolutely and Carl Wilson investigates that world why she's disliked why he dislikes her yeah and uh, and and presumably also his community dislikes her you know the the, rock, the indie rock world which he's, he came from mm-hmm. like he's a big fan of um of uh elliot smith mm-hmm. and that's like his you know that's sort of like his role model like his hero in a way right well i think that's sort of what initially got him interested in exploring this topic because he mentions how when they were both on the Oscars mm-hmm. performing, they both had songs nominated. And, of course, Elliot Smith hated Celine Dion. He, well, yeah, he, not only that, but he's just like, you know, he's an indie rock guy, you know, a, from the alternative world. Yeah. I mean, it's bad enough he has to even be on the Oscars. Yeah. And that's another story, why he's on the Oscars. <laughs> I mean, I know why he's on the Oscars, but that he would go on the Oscars. Yeah. The way he feels about that world. Because at the time, when you're in the indie rock world of the 90s, there's definitely, you know, sort of an anti-establishment feeling or, you know, like Nirvana at the same time did not want to be part of the corporation. You know, they sort of, they sort of rebelled against that until they did become part of the corporation, and that even bothered them. I mean, they, they realized that irony of that. Right. They're in that field. They're in that world. So Elliot Smith, in his own way, gets sucked into this world. Yeah. And he's working, and the other person is Ceylon Dion on the show, who embraces the industry, loves the industry, adores the industry. Perfectly happy person. And, the, and to be in the Oscars. Yeah. Probably knew at the, that time that she'll probably win. <laughs> <laughs> For what song was it that she won from Titanic? I, I, I don't remember what the name was. But I'm sure somebody out there will remember. Yes, but um, it was the Titanic song. Uh, the Titanic song. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, so it was Elliot Smith singing some indie rock folky song against this mountain of hatred <laughs> that people felt. Yeah. They were so repulsed. And I mentioned people watched the Oscars because Elliot Smith was on. Probably the only time they watch the Oscars, right, right? And you know they just want to root this guy, and you know, they just want you know support mm-hmm. him because they love him. Mm-hmm. And you know, and 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 the Oscars, and you know, they totally he lost. I mean, he lost. Well, of course. But but continuing the story, so he he, he Ellie Smith is there on the show, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens? He what happens? Well, Celine Dion uh, talks to him backstage, and of course he's terrified. He's never performed in this kind of 
audience, this this size of an audience, this kind of coverage on nation, international television, mm-hmm. and it's totally not his milieu. Mm-hmm. And he's terrified. Mm-hmm. And she ends up being incredibly nice to him. And so that sort of puts a whole monkey wrench in his perception of her. He, he She actually approached him, hugged him. Yeah. And said, your, your, your song is great or something like that. Yeah. And, and good luck tonight. You're, you know, really, you're, I'm just glad you're here. And yeah, stuff like. you're so, going to do great. Yeah. Right. So the showbiz hack, <laughs> this hated person who represents everything that's not indie rock, is actually, it seems like, according to... Elliot Smith and um, eventually Carl, um, Carl Wilson, that she's pretty nice. Yeah. Well, she apparently grew up in poverty in a huge family, and so she really did have to kind of work her way up. Um, but, you know, I guess a lot of times that happens, too. It's, you know, it's sort of the same syndrome as nouveau riche, you know. It's like uh, she, she uh, came in po- from poverty and worked her way up, and so the, everything, she just embraced it as everything came to her. So, um, but in the end, I think a lot of what people do love about her is this perception that she is this incredibly lovely, gracious, kind person. They see her as authentic, I guess, is the word that people like to use a lot. And she has a voice. And she, yes, she's technically talented, so. But what upsets people, why, why is Carl Wilson and others upset about her? What is it about her? That make that drives these people crazy, and that's what the whole book is about, which is really so fascinating. I mean, he spends this whole book looking at every single way you can sort of define taste. What does it mean to have good taste? What does it mean to have bad taste? Um, you know, can you objectify taste? You know, there's mm-hmm. apparently been lots of studies that he kind of looks into about you know, well, can you just say objectively something is good or something is bad? Um, can taste be democratic? He talks about these artists, these Russian artists who did this experiment where they voted I know on how the, to... I know this. Yeah, I know those it's guys. really fascinating. I forgot, what I forgot their names. Yeah, it's Russian, so I'll, it's like, I'll it's like never Gilbert say It's like Gilbert and George, like their names. Yes, there's two but, partners. Yeah. But what they did was they um, <laughs> they actually had people vote in what they wanted yeah. <laughs> Like, what makes you happy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's all a, a cloud with a sun behind it. Okay, we'll put Landscape. that in the painting. Landscape was <laughs> and what thing. and what colors do you like? We blue. love blue. Okay, so it'll be blue. Blue is America's favorite color. <laughs> Fairly so. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what happened to those guys. I wonder if they're still popular. I wonder if they got voted out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fascinating because yeah. it's like you know they're looking at like, well, can be art be democratic? Can it be mm-hmm. for the people? But no, art is actually kind of authoritative. Yeah. It's very individualistic. It's mm-hmm. very like. This is me. This is what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's taste is so um, tribally driven. You know, it's yeah. like you want to be in a certain group who likes the things you like, and you choose things you like yeah. based on people who you admire. Yes. And we like to think we we pick things that we like on our own, but that's not always the case. This is my favorite part of the book, actually, the tribalism of, yeah. of taste. Yeah, because there's people. There's certain. You know, I mean. Even I knew that Celine Dion should not be mentioned. You know, if I was Elliot Smith, I'm not going to break into a Celine Dion song. Because right. the people would be either like, oh, he's joking. Or right. it's like a put down of her. Right. But he maybe, you know, he meant the it. The ironic yeah. cover. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you really, maybe you do like Celine Dion. See, for me, and I think most people who know me, you know, you know what my taste is. Mm-hmm. I never heard Celine Dion. But already, 
I like her way better than Elliot Smith. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is very interesting because I never actually heard an Elliot Smith song. I, I know his you voice. Haven't? I heard his voice and I heard you know on the yeah, radio you and, have. and I have heard you know all my dear friends who love him. Yeah. You know, and they love the whole you know, the whole Silver Lake right. tragedy, you know. Right. And um but for me, I find Celine Dion more provocative than mm. Elliot Smith. Mm. And for me, provoc- you know, something provocative is really important for me to appreciate that art. Yeah. So I can't, so I don't follow like the gang in that sense. Um, I don't belong to the Celine Dion gang because I don't think they'll be interested in having me around them. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, the Elliot Smith people do like me. But on the same time, I do not share their love for their, for their idol or for their or or for that spirit of indie rock. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's super interesting how we all gravitate towards different things and um, the way that we have different. You know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting that he talked about is cultural capital. Mm. And how, you know, some people have economic capital, and that's what they get their power from, and other people have social status capital. But um, people sort of like us, or people that are critics, or people who work in academia, or creative fields, they have to rely on cultural capital. Mm -hmm. And so what your taste is, is part of your cultural capital. Mm -hmm. So you have to be super aware of it, you know, and... I love when he's talking about, there's one point in the book where he's talking about, you know, he didn't want anybody to know he was listening to Celine Dion because that mm. would, you know, distort his cultural <laughs> uh-huh. capital. Uh-huh. And he's talking about where he lives in his apartment complex. The, the walls are very thin and he can hear his neighbors and everything. And he's like, you know, I, I was less embarrassed about my neighbors hearing me have sex than listening to <laughs> Celine Dion. <laughs> Or, or having sex while listening to Yeah, oh, that's, that would probably be the worst. <laughs> oh, oh <God>. dear. <laughs> but another thing that I thought was really interesting that he talks about, too, and it also kind of gets to the same point of the tribalism, is the prison that you put yourself in of your taste, because you become so entrenched in maintaining that tribe that you're sort of in a prison of taste because you can't even, mm-hmm. if you explore something out of that tribe's, you know, agreed upon taste, then that makes you a pariah. Yeah. You know, and, and it was, he also talked about sort of the shame of, you know, listening to, he's like, in the book, he's like, I dare you to like get in your car and, mm-hmm. you know, blast Celine Dion. It's right. like, you won't do it. <laughs> Is, okay, for you, have you ever listened to an artist that you did not like? And that made a real effort to listen to their work or their catalog or their their famous album. Is there anybody who said, "Okay, I have to I have to listen to this. I have to see if I could take it seriously like other yeah, people." Occasionally, I have, and there's certainly been several artists that I sort of took time to mm-hmm. warm up to. Um, and it's funny because I was thinking about that before. I was thinking like, well, "Who have I sort of taken time to warm up to?" Although it's usually. It's often artists that like all my friends like, and I didn't like at mm. first for whatever reason. Like I wasn't a big Nirvana fan mm-hmm. when they first came out, and it wasn't until I saw them do the Unplugged show on MTV, uh-huh. and then I went, "Oh, these are actually really good songs." And then right. I kind of went back and rediscovered them, and now yeah. I love them. But I wasn't a big fan at first. Um, it's very interesting. Like 
you know, like Nirvana fans at the time, you know, they talk about all the other stuff, all the baggage around them, you know, like Kurt Cobain's, you know, drug lifestyle and, you know, corny love stuff. And but rarely do they talk about his his uh, obvious to me, like his songwriting craft. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, you see that unplug, you see that comes right. through, that comes through very strongly. And sometimes that stuff like that gets overlooked. Like when somebody says, you know, Tosh, you don't like Nirvana, but you know, Kurt Cobain is a great songwriter because, you know, his sense of melody, his, his lyrics, his words are unique, you know, for what he does. And you go, oh, okay, you know, it makes me think maybe I should re-listen to this work. Mm-hmm. But usually in that sort of group thinking or that, that, that tribalism, mm-hmm. they really don't really focus on the artist that intensely. It's this other baggage, you know, the look, the style, yeah. the, um, because their friends like it, you know, or, it's, or they're having a show in town and everybody's going to be there. You know, all your friends are going to be there. Yeah. There's nothing, there's sort of a lack of, um, almost a lack of seriousness in approaching even your idol's work in a way, yeah. you know. And and for me, which is really weird, <laughs> is a band I never liked. Look, I mean, you know who I'm going to mention, I think, King Crimson, mm-hmm. who are very popular. You know, we're, we're talking about popular artists. Yeah. But I would never, probably like five years ago, I would never think of like you know, listening to King Crimson. Maybe there's like one song I like, like 21st Schizoid, you know, Schizoid yeah. Man. But, you know, the, listening to the other stuff, I just, I, I, it was unthinkable. But for some reason, um, I just I, I knew I had a prejudice against them, you know, against right. the whole prog rock thing. And I don't think King Crimson look at themselves as prog rock. But I had to sort of go into that world and find out why I disliked them so much. Yeah. And I don't have an answer for it. I think a lot of it is because I had an image of King Crimson, and mm. that image was so strong, and the whole prog rock issues and you know and the and sort of the ridiculous lyrics you know and, and the fairies and you know spirits and <laughs> you know if this it, it wasn't you know the sex pistols you know so not, do you consider yourself a real fan now or you just sort of have a more i'm a tourist you're a tourist okay I'm so a, you I, you can appreciate them but you're still not a hardcore fan not a hardcore fan but i find them really interesting yeah and i don't think Carl Wilson never found her work interesting. There's a sort of different. I mean, he, he his 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 approach to her is he's not going to like her. I don't think he tried to like her music. But no, he I think he made an effort. But and in the end, he said he kind of he he came around to a few songs here and there. Mm-hmm. I think he had a little bit more appreciation for her, but you know, he still wasn't. But it's yeah. very interesting that sort of the the the, the books sort of builds up. He actually goes see her in concert yeah. in, in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I think Las Vegas is is, is, a, is an important symbolic. Absolutely, it's not just you know Detroit or you know Anaheim. It's Las Vegas. Yeah, it's goes the there. epitome of everything she's about. Right. Yeah. So he goes there, and and um, and he what happened? He like he, he sort of enjoys the show. Well, no, it's interesting. <laughs> he enjoyed the show, but he had never been to Las Vegas before, and he was just coming off a divorce. So when he got there, he found the place to be incredibly depressing. Mm-hmm. You know, he was there by himself. And it was just completely anathema to everything that he valued. He was not interested in gambling. He's like, I'm too shy to hire a hooker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he just, he did not fit in there. But when he went to the show, he said, you know, he, he somewhat grasped why she was so popular. And he did interview a lot of her fans, her mm-hmm. hardcore fans, mm-hmm. 
And they were actually a pretty diverse group of people, the ones at least that he mentions in the book. And, um, you know, he, he had a newfound respect, at least for her fans. He mm. didn't see them as being just sort of, you know, people who were just kind of following along with, you know, the least common denominator mm-hmm. popular culture. They were more thoughtful than he expected them to be. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, a, it's, it's a very interesting. interesting book. It's really is. It's ironic. This is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, of the 33 and the third series. Mm-hmm. But I always like to joke it's the only one that never makes me want to put the record on. Yeah. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> I have absolutely it. no desire to see if no. I can conquer my hatred of Celine Dion. Because you have, you have thin walls as well. <laughs> I do. I do. I don't want anyone knowing I'm listening to <laughs> You know, they Dion. also, I don't have that, but they, I mean, I didn't read, but they, they reissued it in, into like a bigger format. Um, this book. Oh, they did. Yeah, and they added like essays by other people. I've been writing about this, the subject matter of taste. Oh, I, I, I haven't read it, but I, but it's still in print, oh. as well as oh, that's this edition we're talking oh, about. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Well, it's interesting too because he also talks a lot about um, uh, other industry people who you wouldn't think would like her, who did, who worked with her, like Phil Spector, mm-hmm. produced some work of hers that was never released, which I be somewhat curious to hear. I don't know how I'd feel about that. It would be interesting to hear. Can you imagine what those two are like in a recording studio? I can't. I can't. Well, I mean, I, I suspect she would probably, uh, she probably just does what she's told, mm-hmm. is my guess. I don't know. Maybe maybe as she's gotten older, she's gotten older. I don't know. I don't think so. I think, yeah. she, I think she knows what she wants, you know. You think? No, maybe. yeah. Maybe. I don't think, you know, anybody that big of a star is totally not controlled by somebody. They're no, she's famous. I mean, her she her ex well not ex excuse me her late husband yeah. was her manager and yeah. they pretty worked together. But that's collaboration. I mean, it's not control issue. It's more of a co- collaboration yeah. between two pe- you know two people for yeah. one goal. Yeah, which would make her you know the ultimate everything. Right. So now the key question is, mm-hmm. uh, one of the key questions he asks is, will her music be reassessed? Because he talks about a lot of other artists who have been reassessed over time, like the Monkees mm-hmm. and ABBA. He mentions Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, which everybody hated on mm. his first performance, mm. um, which is obviously now a classic. You know, I I think I even mentioned this last, our last uh, podcast, um, Lou Reed's Lulu album. Right. You which everybody reassessed? Everybody I know hates, it. hates that record. Even Lou fans hate it. And... and I, I really think it's a great record. So it's but that people want to tell people, oh, I love Lulu. I think immediately they think I'm just being provocative and right. you know a thorn in their side. <laughs> but in all sincerity, I really do love that record. All so, right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's possible that her work will be re-listened and rethought out, and and um, I think it happens in in all pop music. Yeah, but I mean, some people disappear, so it'll. Will she or will she not? Uh, It'll be interesting to see. My guess, not. I think she's. I think she's actually kind of unique in a way. Yeah, she has a unique presence in 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 show business and in the pop music world. Yeah. So you think she's lasting? I think she will last. Yeah. I mean, she's always going to be successful as long as her voice stays intact. You know, and she delivers her message or her songs to an audience. I think she will survive. Right. (laughs) <laughs> to quote Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> yes, Gloria Gaynor. Gloria Gaynor knows these things. 
you've actually been on quite a, a mission to reevaluate things that you, I mean, you've, but the last several years you've been reevaluating things like, um, besides King Crimson, uh, the Miles Davis sketches of Spain. Yes. A record um, that I was, um, or n- not sketches, uh, sketches, sketches of Spain and well, no, sketches brew. Yeah. Well, for, it's interesting yeah. to get like Miles Davis sketches of Spain, um, it's a strange record in a sense that a lot of people who admire that record mm-hmm. were like this sort of like interior decorators. <laughs> my, <laughs> my father, <laughs> who wanted the hard bop, the uh-huh. loud sound, the, uh-huh. you know, uh, hated that album. Yeah. That's like Miles like selling out or, you know, mm-hmm. just like his, his middle of the road album. And I was sort of taught to think that way because that's how they treated it. They never had the record in, in the household. They would not have that record. And, in, in our household. And, you know, as an adult, <laughs> decades later, I bought the record, and of course, I, you know, I like it, because I like orchestrated jazz. I uh-huh. like the, the, the medium of that. Yeah. And then the other one was Bitches Brew, which is, I think, most Miles Davis fans and music fans consider it a classic. That's, I can't stand it. Oh, see, that's interesting. No, see, <laughs> I love Miles, but I can't stand Bitches that's, Brew. This, that was my reaction, <laughs> too, as a child, a teenager. Because yeah. my father would blast that record at home and in the car yeah. and I keep thinking what is this noise this is not music <laughs> I can't believe I said something like yeah. that that's my reaction and he was like no and he just put it louder and isn't it supposed to be the opposite isn't the yeah. child supposed to be playing music yeah. that offends the parent yeah <laughs> so, so um, I appreciate I learned to appreciate I this is not I actually bought Bitches Brew mm-hmm. on vinyl and I learned to appreciate that record and uh-huh. I like it now that it's not my favorite Miles Davis, but my dislike for it, or even a prejudice against it for whatever reasons, because maybe my dad loved it so much mm-hmm. and forced it on me. Uh-huh. Um, I have learned to, uh, I have learned to appreciate that record, and I had to make the effort. Yeah, I couldn't even listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music. I had to buy the record. You had to really. I had to make force a commitment. Yeah, I didn't really yes. make the commitment. Yeah. Well, I haven't listened to it in quite a while. Maybe I should give it another shot. Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bother. Even the title is offensive. I know. The cover is terrible. <laughs> it's just everything about it. I struggle. I just struggle with that. Miles used that artist a lot in his album covers, I think, um, all, during the whole electric. Yeah. <laughs> fusion. Yeah. yeah. Which I, again, which I avoided, like, with, with uh, intense, it was great intensity. I avoided the electric Miles. But I finally surrendered, and I listened to it, and I do like it. You're a better man than me. <laughs> As a man, I guess. <laughs> You're a woman, but... Yeah, so let's talk about love. A really great book. It is really great. Highly recommended. Mm. You don't need to be a Celine Dion fan in any sense, or if you are, it's still fascinating. I mean, it's really a fascinating just exploration of taste and aesthetics and... Um, just, you know, it makes you think about your own taste and where it comes from. And um, if you open yourself up to that, if you're willing to think about those things and why you like what you like. You know, see, on the lawn, then next comes King Crimson and then Miles Davis Bitches Brew. Oh, my God. I'm going to go down a nightmare of a rabbit hole here. I know. (laughs) And we're going to do, what are we going to do for our next show? All right. So for our next show, mm-hmm. we are going to be doing um, collections of lyrics. 
So, um, yeah, we're going to explore why people even want to buy these books. Do you yes. read them? What for? Yes. What's the point? Hmm. So, we love them. Yes, I'm looking forward to that discussion. It will be a good one. So, thank you for listening to Book Music. Um, check out our playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date. And we'll have lots of little extras. And um, links for everything is on our book site at B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K dot com. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.